when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And this unusual spell of warm mid-February weather, according to Met Erin, is going to last uh, well into the weekend. Uh, temperatures yesterday for Valentine's Day peaked in some areas around the country at 14 degrees. And that's uncharacteristically warm for the day that was in it. Normally, we would be expecting temperatures at this time of the year of between 7 and 9 degrees. And today, they're expecting the warmest day so far for this year and that peak of in some areas it'll get to uh, 15 degrees and the reason for it is it is due to uh, the southerly winds bringing subtropical air across the country and along may that subtropical air continue many places are going to be dry uh, today and the forecast is looking much the same right across the weekend so uh, enjoy the nice spring weather uh, that we have. A very good morning to you. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 103. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Interested in your thoughts today on Shane Ross responding to something actually we carried on our news yesterday and he said he's disappointed to hear of so many learner drivers driving unaccompanied and obviously he was responding to the figures that show 377 vehicles had been driven by unaccompanied learner drivers that had been seized by the Gardaí. And that was just in the first 50 days since the new legislation came in. It came in, the Clancy Amendment came in on the 22nd of December. And between the 22nd of December and the 8th, uh, the 10th of February, Gardaí seized almost eight cars a day on average from learner drivers who failed to obey the regulation. They were out driving on their own without a, accompanied by a fully qualified uh, driver who must, of course, have held a licence for at least two, two years. Uh, Minister Ross said the rate of seizure was proof that the legislation had been necessary and he welcomed the fact that it was also being properly enforced, even though he was very disappointed at the high number of learner drivers and uh, whose cars had to be uh, impounded. But he says it does go to show we did need this legislation and he also said, praising the Gardaí, that he was glad that it was being properly enforced. Now, he did accept that the waiting time for driving tests was still too long, but he did say the Road Safety Authority was wor- working to reduce the time because this is always the argument we, we get here to the programme from listeners whenever we talk about learner drivers 
and learner drivers being forced to drive unaccompanied. We will hear from young people who need to get to work, who need to get to college, nobody available to sit in the car with them uh, and therefore they're forced to take the risk of driving unaccompanied and now of course they face the risk if they're stopped by the Gardaí and they're in that car without a fully qualified driver they will have their car uh, impounded. So the Minister says that and accepts that the waiting time for a driving test is too long. The RSA's target is 10 weeks but it certainly isn't anywhere near 10 weeks at the moment not here in Cork anyway it's not. He says that they're going to recruit extra testers because they are now anticipating a spike in the number of learner drivers who now will be very quickly trying to get their full licence for fear of driving unaccompanied and having their car impounded. And if there is a spike in the number of people coming forward, that is going to make the driver waiting list uh, even longer. It has, by the way, always been an offence for somebody to drive unaccompanied. But up to the Clancy Amendment, you if you were caught driving a learner driver unaccompanied, it was four penalty points and a fine of €120. And there was never any talk of your car being impounded. But of course, all that changed with the new rules that came in in December, which now allow for the Gardaí to impound the uh, vehicle. And under the Clancy Amendment, motorists whose vehicles have been seized, you can face court fines of up to €1,000. Then there's release fines of €125 for the first day. And it's €35 for every additional day or part day that you don't claim your car back. And what's really interesting, and I didn't know about this until I read about it in the papers yesterday, when the vehicle's owner claims that it was taken by the unaccompanied driver without the permission of the owner, Gardaí may institute an additional prosecution of theft against the learner. Now that's something that certainly hasn't been mentioned uh, before and you know obviously if in many cases these learner drivers if it's young people they're driving mammy or daddy's car now are mammy and daddy going to say when the guardie come and say we've impounded your car I didn't tell Johnny or Mary he or she could drive the car and if they say that it means the guardie could decide to say okay well they stole the car and they can put a prosecution of theft against the uh, learner. That certainly is a new angle uh, to the, that law on learner drivers that we hadn't spoken about uh, before. Your thoughts welcomed on that this morning, 1850 Now on the programme this morning we're going to discuss why the Irish Cancer Society has decided that they no longer want donations that are raised from fox hunting events. It's to do with the uh, a festival that happens in Abbey Field and it will there are hunters from the North Cork area, from Kerry and from Limerick all involved in this festival. I think it goes on for about uh, a week and for a number of years they've been running this annual event and they've been giving the proceeds to the Irish Cancer Society but this year the Irish Cancer Society have contacted the, the Abbeyfield fox hunters and said, we don't want your money anymore, basically. Thanks, but no thanks. You can go ahead and organise your festival, but please don't be sending the proceeds on to us because we're simply going to have to return it. The Irish Cancer Society say they are reacting to uh, members of the public who are against fox hunting contacting the Irish Cancer Society saying you really should not be accepting these donations. Now you have to remember that the Irish Cancer Society rely 
uh, is it, did I read somewhere 99% of their funding comes from members of the public. They have to keep members of the public sweet and I suppose they're worried that if enough member of the public feel that by taking money for fox hunting we are not going to donate to you. They had no choice but to say to the fox hunters we're not going to take your money anymore. A little bit like the Irish Cancer Society will not take money from a tobacco company and they will not take money from a drinks company for obvious reasons you know cigarettes and alcohol there are links to they being cancer causing so for that reason they don't take donations but now they've added to that list fox hunting. I'd welcome your thoughts on that is that a right move by the Irish Cancer Society? Do you think the Irish Cancer Society should should exactly stick to their guns and not take the money are, are, are on you the other side of the fence that if this group are going away doing fundraising it's money that they're raising they want money to go in to help the Irish Cancer Society be it with night nurses or for cancer research or all the other great work that the Irish Cancer Society do and the society should take the money your thoughts welcomed on that please 1850 we're going to speak with a doctor who was behind a research project or a challenge that looked at young people and their fitness levels. Now this is the results some of the results out of this piece of research are worrying. This research that's been going on every year for the last eight years and it's showing that today's 15 year olds, some of them are as unfit as 55 to 60 year olds when it comes to cardiovascular health. The worry there is what kind of problems are these young people storing up for the future? I mean, parents might bemoan the fact that their young person is sitting down all day or they're on their computers too much or they're on their smartphones too much and they're not involved in sport and they don't walk anywhere. They don't cycle anywhere. If they want to go from A to B, it's mammy and daddy's taxi is dropping them off and they don't seem to get any exercise at all. And parents might give out about that. But I wonder, have parents ever stopped and thought about what is it going to be like for that young person when they get into their 30s or 40s? Are they storing up all kinds of health problems? We'll speak with one of the doctors who worked on this uh, fitness uh, challenge. Should a comparison be made between the National Children's Hospital and the Cork Events uh, Centre? Now, the Taoiseach is saying we should draw no parallels at all, but obviously the glaring common denominator between the National Children's Hospital and the Cork Events Centre is the developer who's building both. The developer building both is the developer called uh, BAM. And people are now starting to say, and I know we were getting calls in here to this programme when we were discussing the overruns run on the National Children's Hospital and that's almost become a joke at this stage. It would be a joke if it wasn't so serious of how much money it's going to cost you and I, all of the taxpayers in in this country. And of course, now we know with the National Children's Hospital, the government have to find the additional money that they didn't think they needed to build the hospital. They're now going to need it. All of us get affected by that as well because every single department within the government has to chip in something towards the overrun. So, you know, we're going to get affected from a health point of view. We're going to get affected because things like MRI machines that might need to be replaced, CAT scans. I mean, so many things. I mean, we even heard the other day that the some of the flood defence projects around the country are going to be scaled back so that the money can go into the National Children's Hospital We need the Children's Hospital, but it's very unfair that everybody else is going to get affected because of these uh, overruns. Finger blame was being pointed at BAM saying, how did you tender? How did they get the tendering so 
uh, wrong. And when we were discussing that the other day, people were saying, well, look, it's BAM is involved in the in the Cork Events Centre. Look how the figure for the Events Centre has changed. The other day, it was the third anniversary of the sod turning of the Events Centre. God, lads, how's that going for you? We're nowhere near having the Events Centre b- built. So BAM is the common denominator. Should we be drawing parallels? We'll discuss that on the programme this morning. Uh, plans to market the Wild Atlantic Way on in-flight videos and we're looking for people who live along the Wild Atlantic Way or who visit the Wild Atlantic Way. If you got the opportunity to tell visitors where they should go where would you be sending them to along the wild, particularly the Wild Atlantic Way that's in our neck of the woods? Where would you suggest that they go to have a nice meal? Where would they go to have a nice walk? Where would they go if they needed to stay somewhere for overnight accommodation? If they have children with them, where would you be suggesting that they spend an afternoon? So we'll speak with the company behind whom who make and produce these in-flight uh, videos. And then I'm really looking forward to chatting to a lady from Wales who's in court at the moment and she is embarking on what can only be described as an incredible fundraising walk. Now we've often chatted with people who are doing fundraising walks and we always like to hook up with them when they're in our neck of the woods, when they're in Cork, just to see how the walk is going, why they're doing it and you know how long more they have to do and we've done a number of them uh, over the years and, and it's always it's always fun to chat to the people and, and just to find out you know what what makes people do some of these incredible walks you know what Malin to Mizzen uh, is an, an, an obvious one but this woman is doing she's walking around the entire coast of Ireland but also the entire coast of the United Kingdom and it's going to take her four years. You know, she, she's underway now over a month. She left the middle of January, yeah. So she's over a month on the road, literally. Uh, so she waved goodbye to her family and is heading off. I'll see you in four years, love. So we'll chat with uh, that lady. She, her, she's Karen Penny is her name. She's in Cork and we'll be encouraging people. If you see her along the way, maybe stop, have a chat with her. And if anybody can help her out in any way, that's what we'll be asking people to do. And it is Friday, so we'll go to the movies with uh, Mark Malone. Uh, Tim, uh, by text says fox hunting should be banned uh, using a cruel activity like this to fundraise is primitive says Tim so I take it Tim 100% agrees with the Irish Cancer Society uh, to stop receiving any kind of funds that come from fox uh, hunting we're going to be discussing that uh, in a moment and just uh, Douglas Listener says hi Patricia I saw an awful lot of men buying Valentine cards and bouquets of flowers and chocolates yesterday but I didn't see any woman buying anything isn't that strange says uh, a Douglas a listener I actually thought about that yesterday now I did buy my hobby a card uh, we exchanged cards in the morning and then I got a really beautiful bouquet of flowers yesterday that got delivered here to work and they're absolutely gorgeous and I'm thrilled and chuffed and all of that but I didn't buy him anything Um, and I'm trying to think over the years did I ever buy him anything and has that become a new phenomena because I saw on certainly on social media I saw some men post up very few though I saw a couple of men post up you know some nice treats that their wives or girlfriends had bought them but is it typically a day where the man looks after the woman and it isn't a case where the woman looks after the man because she does it for the rest of the year? Is that it? I, I, don't, I don't really know. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, maybe I'm out in a limb here. Maybe I'm wrong that I should be buying my hubby something when he goes to the bother of buying me the gorgeous flowers, even though the flowers are at home and we all get to appreciate them. So that's kind of, it's kind of a shared thing, isn't it, as well? When you get a nice bouquet of flowers, everybody in the household benefits. 1850 333 103. Did you buy something for the man in your life? 
or as a man did the woman buy something nice for you for Valentine's Day or is it just one way street on Valentine's Day it's all about the man buying for the woman and Mary says Patricia you have your head cold again I do uh, 1850-333-103 John Paul takes your calls Flora Gelga RC103 Gokshans Gulsula Hanogut Erdemi Onakudash Dorkter The Young Offender Tademi Shavli and Dig Deet August Hogan Chio Nagar Isiante Shina in a clown August Hokar Jaharaka Kashi Kervli and Dig in a coney Imal August Martian for she blossed her cake Erequid Kainta Husik Shig Ashdork Lenaskull Kalashta Davit Iglakarona Bugabidika in Rami we are he chilskanani in of Erlina, General Linda, Saklar, Young Offenders, Dear Kusilana Dufour, Siobhan. Rinishi Rinka Gwelak, Mogiakt, August Pelfreshener, Rishini Zoiga. Gwelaher, Tademi Sakugavlin, Savanskal, Imala. Bemidik Sul, Latilla Ashtorta Uhi Amakancha. Le Bluer Gwelga, Ismisha Mali Nigu, O Gwelskalt Mastavish Mala. Cade as a three Kirkig. The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Rochestown Park Hotel. We've had great battles with them. They beat us in the league the last two years. It's been pretty close those two games. So thank God we got the one that counts in the end. We'll take whatever comes after that. The overall winner for 2018 is Cork Camogie star Orla Cotter for her role in the All Ireland Senior Victory against Kilkenny. The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards, recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA. This one's for you. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Remember, we're giving money away starting next Monday. We're dishing out the cash. You've got a chance to be in with a share of €5,000. It's the C103 Cash Tracks. And we kick it all off next Monday, February the 18th. Simon will announce the superstar of the day every morning at 8.15 on The Breakfast Show. You're listening out for the name of the artist. And when you hear the artist's name, make a note of it. And sometime that day, we'll play two songs back to back. And when we you hear the second song you need to get dialing 1850-333-103 and you will if you call a 50 you will win 500 euro and we'll keep it going until we've given away 5,000 euro in cash that's the C103 Cash Tracks with Cavanus, the new name for Ford in Mallow for new and used car sales visit Cavanaugh's.com Now the Irish Cancer Society will no longer take proceeds from fox hunting clubs the society said it made the decision following a number of objections to such donations from members of the public. Abbeyfield Harriers hold an annual hunting festival and have been donating the proceeds to the Irish Cancer Society, but not anymore. With reaction from the Abbeyfield Harriers, I'm joined by Jim Murphy. Good morning to you, Jim. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, well, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Okay, how Thank lo- you very much. Thank you very much for having me. How long have you been organising this event with the Irish Cancer Society receiving the proceeds? Since 2005. And why did you initially uh, I, select the Irish Cancer Society? Well, well, well a number of members of the club, an ABFE, they, they had members uh, who suffered from cancer and uh, died from cancer and friends as well. And uh, this it was a very worthy cause, cause and they decided in 2005 that they would donate the money to the Irish Cancer Society. Now, we never asked the Irish Cancer Society to be pro-hunting. Pro 
uh, it was a magnanimous gesture to give them the money and they accept, accepted it. And uh, every year there was a letter sent off to the Irish Cancer Society stating that this came from the Abbeyfield Hunting Fox Hunting Festival and there was, there was never a problem with it. Uh, how much, roughly, would you raise every year? Or? Uh, well, it varied from year to year, but uh, I'm told, I don't have the exact figure, it, it was north of 30,000 Given to them over to in in uh, total, okay. So, yes. so a, lot, a lot of money, a lot of money, and you a would money, and you yes. would organise the event. The event would run, and then you'd send the cheque. You didn't look for anybody from the Irish Cancer Society to come down, or no, no, no. We would send on the cheque to them, yes, and they accepted this cheque. And then the Irish Cancer Society can Did they contact you directly to say we no longer want your money? Well, no, this is the point I want to make. There was no contact whatsoever. Just, that's the most disappointing aspect of it. We haven't been contacted by by them. So how did you find out? Uh, this lady, an animal writer, got onto Radio Kerry and uh, she said that there was pressure uh, that, uh, that I spoke to uh, the Irish Cancer Society and asked them not to accept the donations from now on. And I, we feel, feel there was pressure brought on the Irish Cancer Society from these people because every year there are hunt balls held around the country in various hotel, hotels. Yeah. And the hotels have got threatening calls from animal rights activists saying uh, certain things would hap- happen. And in one case, they say, said they knew where the ma- manager lived and they were con- get, get in contact with him. So, so there's an awful lot of intimidation going on. A, a lot of people are not happy with the sport. Sorry, I said that again? I, I said a lot of people are not happy with the sport. Uh, that wasn't uh, the, uh, the feeling we got down in Abbey Field. Everybody we, we met... I were very happy, happy, happy to have us there. The local pubs, restaurants, bars, they were all delighted to have us there. And most people we spoke to said, you're most than welcome here. And what has been the reaction of your members to this decision by the Irish Cancer Society? Uh, well, we've had four offers from our charitable organisations that they would take our fund, our funds from, from the uh, uh, festival. At this stage, we've had four offers. So we are going to draw a line in the sand. We've had a very su- successful festival, hundreds of people there, and we're going to move on. Has the festival already been held? It has. Today is the last day. Oh, so you have the money, you'll have, you've, you've the money we'll already. Have, we'll have the money at the end of this, and we will donate to another charity of our choice. And we've, we've learned a lot from this, and uh, uh, as I say, we'll draw a line in the sand and we'll move on from here. It's. I'm. I'm a bit taken aback that the Irish Cancer Society haven't contacted you, though. No, they haven't contacted us. Now, we if they did, if they did, we would have made them aware of the tactics that these people adopt, and and we would have been prepared for for it. Now, we did contact the Irish Cancer Society. They they declined the invitation to join us on air, but they did issues with the statement, and they just very short. They say the Irish Cancer Society relies on members. Uh, members of the general public for 98% of the annual income. We're very grateful to the many people across the country that take time every year to fundraise and donate to us to help us provide support and care to thousands of cancer patients and their families. The society does not always receive advance notice of fundraising events held to raise crucial funds for people affected by cancer. But where we do, we ask organisers to register their event with us so we can steward them. Following contact from a number of cancer patients slash supporters who were upset about the 
the Abbey Field Harriers annual hunting festival. The society requested that the organisers do not send a donation to the society that is generated from fox hunt activities. And that's where it ends. Well, so well, so it was directly, it was people directly contacted them about your particular festival. Well, I wouldn't uh, accept that. Uh, I reckon they were pressure brought down from the animal rights movement, movement. This is what's happening. And as I said a while ago, hotels have come under pressure. There was a lady from an animal rights group on Midlands Radio recently, and she, she said butcher shops were no target for, for their activities. Butcher shops? Butcher shops. Where is all this going to finish up? In England, the intimidation with hunting people is was unreal. Uh, they've had people pulled off of horses and kicked to, to the ground by these animal rights activists. Far, farmers are, are afraid, again, excuse me, who are exporting beef, they're afraid to go in air because they'd be recognised by these people as well. So there's intimidation all around the place. And you see nothing cruel, Jim, in in fox hunting? No, it's not It's not cruel. This, this week when I was down there, there was only one fox killed. You've answered Margaret's question. Stay there. Margaret and Donnerell is on the line. Margaret, one fox was killed. Yeah. One is too many. One was too many. You you, you put you give money to a charity and you kill you kill a fox. If you kill like a fox I'm I'm totally against like raising money for, for any charities that involves animal cruelty. And killing a fox like that is animal cruelty. You run a fox down. What is the sense in running a fox down? and killing a fox, and people running, you know, enjoying that kind of barbaric activity, I will never understand. Never understand. Jim? She just answered my question. She will never understand, and and people don't un- understand. If killing foxes are brief, we put down, put, down, put down snares and trap them. That's not... We go to watch the hounds hunting. They hunt the centre of the fox. The fox can be two or three fields away, not even realise it's being hunted. That is what we go out to watch the hounds hunting and to listen to the music of the hounds. That's exactly what it is. If there are foxes killed, OK, they can happen. Uh, so be it. But that's not the that's not the brief of our sport, and we have a highly educated population. But, but there is a great ignorance amongst the population of our, our sport. Our sport people haven't taken time to investigate it and go out and see for, the, for themselves what the sport is all about. Yeah, because I was reading an article where farmers were saying, you know, the devastation that a fox can do on a Absolutely. farm, and for that reason, some farmers will welcome fox hunters. Margaret, do you not see, do you not see I, that side? I understand. I can understand. Like, uh, I mean, I'm, I live in a rural area. I know that foxes, they, they go in, they kill hens and all that. Dogs also go in and kill sheep, you know. Uh, and there are an awful lot of farmers, and I mean, like farmers that, that will not want any hounds on their, on their land, simply because they, you cannot control hounds when they're on a scent. You cannot control what a, a hound is going to run after. And I've seen hounds left behind after hunts in a desperate state and nobody goes looking for them. And they're in rescues and they're running around the country free because 
they haven't stayed with the pack and nobody has gone looking for them after. Yeah, and, Jim, and Jim, that is, know. okay, let Jim answer. That, that is a good point, Jim, that, I mean, we you, you will hear complaints and we've certainly got complaints over the years from hunting dogs. It's very hard to control the dogs. The, hard, the dogs are under effectual control when they're hunting. It's just the same as a sheep farmer up the mountain. He might be two fields away from the sheep dog. It's still under his control, but that sheepdog is, is corralling the sheep for him. It's the same with hunting. They're, they're a hunting pack and they go, they go together hunting the line of the fox. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, you can't control but what way the fox say, is going she, to go. Says, no, you can't say where the fox is going to go. That's, that's factual. And the, and, and the hounds will follow the fox? The hounds will follow the scent of the fox. Yeah. yeah so if a fox goes out onto the, on, onto the road above in, above in Cork, which there's a video of it, a uh, 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 fox crossed the road on the Cork Road. Sorry, sorry can, road. I ask you, can I ask you a question? Yes. I've given my name for Jim Murphy. Oh, my name is Margaret O'Rourke. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, I'm well. Sorry, my name is Margaret O'Rourke. I don't go, I don't hide. I don't hide well, from anything. What, what organisation are you in for? I'm not involved in any organisation. I'm an individual yes. that doesn't like hunting. I don't like, well, I don't like to see animals. You're entitled to your, op- yes, your opinion. I'm expressing my opinion. My opinion. There, there are tens of thousands of people who go hunting in this country, hunting, shooting and fishing. In, in actual fact, there are in excess of 260,000 people involved in field sports in this country. And uh, hunting is legal as, uh, uh, in this is country. Is it legal in England? It is. It is. In traditional England, hunting. Traditionally, let me explain to you. You want to get your facts right. Traditional hunting in England is banned. They now have to hunt with two hounds and shoot every fox that comes out of the cover. There is no selective culling. All foxes have to be shot. And that's to, and that, that doesn't happen here? That doesn't happen here, no. no. Hunting yeah, is selective that, culling. Select, like you're saying selective culling. You're not selective culling. You're running a fox. It doesn't matter who the fox is. If the fox is a vixen and she has pups, you, the pack of hounds are running Again, again I must interject there. Again, you're wrong. If a, fox, if a vixen is in pub, she will not give off a scent and the hounds can't hunt it. That's nature's way of protecting itself. So there are no so you vixens can't, You can't hunt a vixen. You can hunt a dog. Mm. You can't hunt a vixen. Yeah, I don't and see that. I, I, I don't see... Well, I mean, as you say, it's, it's my opinion, but I don't see the, the, the... I don't see the fun or the sport in running what, well, a fox what, dog with what, what about a person going out fishing? Do you object to that? Because there's animal rights groups are objecting to hunting, shooting, fishing, horse racing, eating meat. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think yeah, Margaret yeah, is a I'm member of any of any like, of any I'm group. Asking, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm asking her for her opinion. Sorry, you give a conversation goes around when when you're t- when you're against something, it it turns around then to to you know it, it's a way of turning it around to. Uh, or do you do you eat meat? Do you eat fish? Do you do this or do you do that? We're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, the the fox hunting. That's what we're talking about yep. this morning. Margaret, is there fox hunting in your area, Margaret? Uh, there would be, yeah. There yeah. would be uh, around, yeah. There would, and I, and I have seen. I mean, we have a hound. We have a beautiful hound around Donwell for the last twelve months, and uh, he cannot be caught. And yeah, but, uh, he cannot be caught. Can because he was left behind for, for Jim. Some Jim, would you go back? Do you, if, have you ever lost dogs as part of your hunt, your hound, the pack? We have, would, we, we, we have, but we still to, to get them. And if not, you look for them. All right. Okay. We, we, we would go back at dawn the following morning. But Margaret, I have photographs here 
I've a nine-year-old nine baby in London attacked by a fox and and and, and, and had nine staples inserted in its forehead after the attack. Back well, in that's, Western a wi- class, that's a wild animal, yeah. We'll do that. A yeah. wild animal. Back in Western America last year, farmers had calves attacked by foxes. And in County Clare, can I finish? And in yeah. County Clare, the Irish uh, 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 Society for, for Prevention of Cruelty and Animals put a notice in the local paper, keep your ter- terriers in, they're now being attacked by foxes. Foxes have to be regulated. We had the wolf one time controlling to, to the foxes. We got rid of the wolf, and the, the only natural predator now is man. man. And they and have that to is be regulated. We're, 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 not, talking about, we're yeah. not talking about eliminating foxes. We're no. not talking about reg, regulating them. If you watch a wildlife program with David Bellamy or uh, what's his name uh, or anybody else on it, you, you, you will see a pride of lions chasing a herd of buffalo and they will select the weakest one and kill it. Kill it. But it's killed instantly. That's if, nature. A hound, if a hound catches a fox, it's killed instantly. That's nature, There's and no, we're interfering with it. But this is nature. This is nature. If a fox didn't give off a scent that was attractive to hounds, then the hounds couldn't hunt it. That's how nature designed it. Okay, we're, not, we're, we're certainly not going to get no. b- both of you to, uh, to agree, so we're going to leave it there, Margaret. Thank you. All right, thank, thank you for that. Bye and bye. Uh, Jim, one of our listeners uh, wants to know, um, uh, Patricia, let the Irish Cancer Society send the money back that they got over the past uh, years. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen because they haven't, according to Jim, they haven't even contacted uh, them. I, w- I, Jim, are any of your members upset by it? Uh, they were upset, yes. Yeah. They were, because they put a big effort into collecting the money. And, uh, like, the situation is now for a gun club or a course a club holds a quiz in a, a pub to raise money for Irish cancer. Uh, are they go, uh, going to reject that as well? Okay. And have you found a new charity yet to donate your money to? We have, we have four, four charities knocking at our door at the mo- <laughs> mo- moment. And we will we'll make a decision entirely. Who are, who are going to donate it to. Okay. All right. Listen, Jim, I appreciate you taking our call this morning. Thank you for that. Okay. And, uh, thank thanks. You very much. Bye-bye. That is uh, Jim Murphy from one of the Abbey Field uh, Harriers. Uh, mixed reaction. Jim is right, says one of our listeners called John. Uh, Jay says, ask Margaret what happens when a dog kills sheep. Another Mary says, the fox took my cat. When a text says, Hi Patricia, I totally agree with the Irish Cancer Society not to accept what I would see as blood money raised by the Fox Hunting Club. How can you associate with such a cruel sport? It seems to me that the hunting club were using the Cancer Society to run such an event and gain some acceptability for an awful and a cruel sport. I'm farming, by the way, and I care for animals every day. That's just a small selection. We will get through the other texts that are coming in. 1850 Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. Cardiovascular health of some 15-year-olds is comparable to that of 55 to 60-year-olds. This is according to research conducted at Dublin City University. Joining me, Dr. Sarah Kelly, who was part of the research group. Good morning to you, Sarah. 
Hi, Patricia, uh, how are you? I'm very well and you're Good. welcomed uh, to the programme. Now, this fitness challenge is now in its eighth year. Just outline how the challenge works. Oh, yeah, so it really has been a huge success. So now we have tested over or t- over 200,000 students have participated since the challenge started in 2013. So basically what happens is we invite every uh, secondary school in the country to take part. And the challenge is six weeks. So basically the PE teacher or any teacher basically can test the fitness of the students before and after a six-week period. And what we encourage the class to do during that six weeks is to just increase their activity. So this can be through designated you know, fitness programs or just encouraging the kids to go out and walk or go out and move, but to increase their activity every day. And what age group of teenagers are we talking about? So it goes from first years to sixth years. So you're 13-year-olds to 18-year-olds. But what we have found is that there's a huge drop after third year in participation levels. So 80% fall off after third year. So we really need to figure out and address what is causing this huge drop off. So the older the teenager, the less active they get. Has that got anything to do with the points race and the pressure that young people are under for you to get to university? Yeah, well, that's a really good point because I think we have our priorities all wrong. So grades are seen to be more important than our kids' health. So if you think about even, say, a parent-teacher meeting, for example, I don't think I've ever seen a queue to talk to the PE teacher <laughs> or a rush to make an appointment with them. Not in the way that you see people queuing up or people really keen to meet the maths teacher or the English teacher. So there doesn't seem to be a concern about kids' fitness levels or their activity levels in school. It's all the concern and all the uh, focus is on the CEO points, as you say. But we have our priorities backwards because we all know the evidence shows us time and time again that if you can increase your activity levels and increase your fitness levels, this reduces stress, it reduces anxiety, depression, and it improves concentration, focus, and academic performance. Is there a difference between boys and girls? There is. Now, first of all, to focus on the positive, what we've found with the school's fitness challenge is that for the past two years, girls have outnumbered the boys in terms of participation. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we're delighted with that. And to be fair to Irish Life Health, they, need, they really need to be commended on that because they identified for the first few years that the boys were massively outnumbering the girls. So they really targeted and zoned in on the girls' schools and the mixed schools and tried to, you know, basically identify what, what the problems were. So they have done a fantastic job in recruiting um, more girls and sort of getting them interested. But unfortunately, what we're seeing, again, is that the girls' fitness levels decrease massively from first to sixth year, so progressively as they go through through school. And again, trying to figure out what's going on here. Is it that the girls are just dropping off in their participation in sports or activities? And we kind of... We need to think, why is this happening? Is it the competitive nature of these activities? And if if this is the case, I think as adults and parents, teachers, coaches, we need to identify this and maybe encourage these kids to do something else, something that they enjoy. So I think, I, I know I would much prefer to see, rather than see girls sitting on the sideline or even at home on the couch, that even if it's just that they're going for a walk during, mm. say, their PE hour or their parents kind of don't push them into something that as soon as they have the autonomy to make the decision, they're going to give it up. So don't push them into sport if that's not what they enjoy. They have to enjoy what they're doing. So I think we need to change our mindset in order for them to change theirs and kind of open our, open our minds, whether it's 
you know, they might want to go, you know, to a dance class. They might want to have a skip and rope out the back garden or literally just go for a walk with their friends. Yeah, even to get children to walk to school, the amount of children that you see and teenagers being dropped off in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. But you have to remember that's coming from a mindset. I think uh, as adults, we do that as well. As soon as it rains or as soon as, you know, it's a cold morning, we all drive around the corner to the shop. You know, even we all still try to park as close as we can to the To the front door. So I think, and even I've even noticed myself in recent years, I have made different you know little changes in that and that I'm not obsessed with getting the closest car space and yet I could be going in to do a workout in the gym like it makes no sense so I think if we start leading by example and teaching our kids that it's important to move every day it's important to you know to fit in that extra activity and it's not something that you just squeeze in if you have the time it has to be a priority and it has to be part of your lifestyle. And your six-week fitness programme actually showed that it can improve a child's fitness level. Yeah, and that's probably the most exciting thing for Irish Life Health that they're seeing. So each year they're seeing that on average this, the kids who participate are improving their fitness by a massive 10% on average. Yeah. And that's just in six weeks. And again, just to remember, that's not a structured training programme. That's just increasing the awareness among the students. Now, some PE teachers are great and they organise walking groups or running groups or different activities, but it's just encouraging the kids to move more and with a focus on that fitness is important. Fitness affects their health, their health now and their health down the line. And that's the big concern, isn't it, uh, Sarah? It's the it's the problems that they're storing up for the future. Completely. So we have kids who are presenting with risk factors for cardiovascular disease earlier and earlier. Wow. And I think there's, there's a massive disconnect there. Like kids, of course, kids are going to be oblivious of the importance of looking after their future health at this stage. And they struggle to see the link. So they, they don't really understand what they do now impacts their health down the line. So again, as parents and as teachers and adults, we need to lead by example and kind of raise the awareness that it's really important to look after your fitness now and your health now because that's what you're setting yourself up for down the line. So kids who are really inactive and unfit in their teenage years are at an increased risk of developing chronic diseases, you know, the lifestyle-mediated chronic diseases, much earlier um, than kids, say, who are high, highly fit in their secondary school years. OK. All right. Listen, thank you for joining us. Great study. Um, we will watch it closely, as you say, because it's a year-on-year uh, course, a uh, year-on-year challenge. It'll be interesting to see what the results for next year are like. In the meantime, Sarah, thank you for joining us thank on the programme you. today. Thank Good morning you. to you. That is uh, Dr. Sarah Kelly, who joins us from Dublin City uh, University. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. lot of texts uh, coming in on Fox Hunting and our uh, chat that we had in the last hour about the Irish Cancer Society making this decision that they no longer want to accept the proceeds from the annual Abbeyfield Harriers Hunting Festival, which it didn't realise is on this week. There's just a day left of it. They've been accepting donations from them since 2005. And Jim Murphy, one of the Abbeyfield Harriers, uh, reckons about €30,000 has been donated to the Irish Cancer Society from the annual hunting festival run by the Abbeyfield Harriers. But this year, the Irish Cancer Society say, thanks but no thanks, we don't want your donation. Some of your thoughts uh, coming in on that. A listener says, 
was just listening to you talk on fox hunting and I've been following the hunt for the past few years and no hunt was killed and if it was a case of a hunt being killed or a family member getting treatment from the cancer organisation I know what I would pick most of the money raised is from hunt meetings or from people that follow the hunting sport it's an absolute disgrace beggars can't be choosers these donations will be easily counted by the end of the year I'm unsure of the, the end part of your text but thank you for that uh, Ashleen says as a 16 year old girl who has hunted all my life both on horseback and on foot I think that cancer is a huge killer in Ireland and that is a disgrace that animal rights activists can bully the Irish Cancer Society group into turning down money that has been raised by the hunting community every member's family of the hunting community have been affected in some way by cancer. Hence the reason why they want to make this donation. So I don't see why we cannot contribute to this cause. And that's uh, signed by Ashley, who's just a young 16 year old. Sandy says, how do foxes and other animals live? They live by killing sheep, hens and cats, etc. We've lost 18 hens and a fox killed them. We also lost four kittens. Some birds attack and eat other birds alive. Fox numbers increased in most towns and if that were to happen it would only be it would only be a matter of time before poison would be used to control them. Believe me, says Sandy, that's a much crueler death by far. Hi, says the texter, I support Jim Murphy who joined you from the Abbey Field Harriers in what he is saying. We all have loved ones who have suffered with cancer. They're raising money for a very good cause. The Irish Cancer Society should be accepting the donation. What about my chickens, says another texter. The fox has killed them on me. Another texter, a small group of people have no right to dictate a decision that has a bearing on so many people's lives. Clearly, none of them have ever experienced the fantastic work that the Irish Cancer Society does. And I hope and pray they never will. Texter says, anti-hunting and animal rights zealots regularly call on charities to reject donations from hunts. Before making such a decision, the charities need to ask in turn the anti-fundamentalists if they will make up for the money that the antis want them to forego. Animal rights fanatics make a lot of noise, but when it comes down to it, these key board warriors are not so generous. And despite this, they still bask in the warm glow of moral certitude. And Jay in Douglas... Uh, says uh, absolute reckless behaviour from the members of this anti-hunting group. I am not a hunt supporter myself. Despite this, hunting remains legal in this country and all funds raised for charity from this event are perfectly legitimate at the end of the day. Who knows what knock-on effect this may have for other fundraising events. I'm utterly outraged says Jay in Douglas by the decision made by the Irish Cancer Society. Just a sample of some of the texts uh, coming into the uh, programme. Barry says a lot of these things are taken out of control. This is really a culling of the fox more than hunting. We in Cork and Kerry have an epidemic of deer on our roads. There's also an increase in Lyme's disease. 
and other diseases that are affecting animals but nobody seems to be talking about that. John says foxes are destructive animals and when hungry they can attack children so I think it's unfair to think the society to think society that are talking about cruelty to animals if they subscribe 300 euro to animal research instead of the hunt in Limerick but until they do something like that put their put the, sorry that'll have to be um, sorry that's not making any sense anyway that's just a sample of some of the costs actually I'm quite taken not quite taken aback um, it, it, judging by the number of texts and calls we're getting in there are more people in support of the Abbey Field Harriers and saying what they're doing, they're trying to raise money, you know, they're having their sport, that's going to continue regardless. So at the same time, why not raise money for a terrific organisation like the Irish Cancer uh, Society? And people are very much against what the Irish Cancer Society has done. And people are pointing, saying the Irish Cancer Society are wrong. Now, I mean, there's other people coming out the other way. But certainly, judging by the calls and comments that have come in so far, it does seem to be on the side of the Abbeyfield Harriers and against the decision by the Irish Cancer Society. Your thoughts welcomed, 1850-333-103. I'm not forgetting the ambulance personnel who are out on strike today. They say the HSC has failed to engage with them to try to resolve what is an ongoing dispute. There's over 500 workers have walked off the job for a second time today. And this is in a row. This is one of the most bizarre ones. This is a row over union recognition. The HSC has refused to recognise a branch of the PNA. Now, the PNA is are the Psychiatric Nurses Association, uh, and they they want to set up a branch that is specifically for paramedics. But the HSC are saying that they won't recognise that particular union, and that's causing deep upset among the ambulance personnel who want to join that union. Now, Gloria Comerford is a paramedic nurse, a paramedic, sorry, based in Cork City. And she explained to our reporter, uh, Fiona Corcoran, one of the reasons why the paramedics are on strike. Yeah, one of our day crews who's on a 7 to 7 shift, so that's 12 hours, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., was sent to Dublin um, half an hour to the end of their shift. Um, And that, that happens on a regular basis. And what kind of an effect does that have then on the, the driver? Well, it's, it's driver fatigue and exhaustion because we are very, very busy. We are one of the busiest counties, one of the busiest stations within the country. So we have an extremely high call volume on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. So we're not sitting here all day. Uh, we're out all day and um, we're working constantly for that 12 hours. And as I said, more often than not, it runs into 14 and 16 hours. But um, in that case, yesterday, the crew had been out all day and were sent to Dublin on a transfer towards the end of their shift. It was half an hour to go. And we had an incident like that a couple of weeks ago when the people who were asked to go to Dublin didn't go and they were suspended. So has that resulted now in people afraid to speak out and that they don't want to, you know, that they know that they shouldn't be driving to Dublin, but they feel that they have no other choice now because they might be suspended from their job? Well, that's what we're facing. You know, that's, that's exactly what we're facing, you know. Uh, we've been told by management we cannot refuse a call. Um, we've never refused calls, ever. None of us have ever refused a call. Um, we, the, the crew that were suspended raised the issue on health and safety grounds that they were extremely tired. And um, the, the child in question was stable and it wasn't an emergency. And uh, there was a crew available from 6am 
a transfer crew that were on call from 6am and could have easily come in because we do on the 9 to 5 we are on call from 6am and we have come in to go to Dublin at that time you know and there would have been no issue because the crew expect to be called in if there's a Dublin one but they weren't and that's that's what we had the big issue about because um, a crew was suspended because they were told they refused the call and they didn't so now you have a situation where we were told well you have to go you know so even if we raise health and safety issues it goes nowhere you know we're not listened to you know and that's we have a responsibility to patients not just a patient who is sick that we are caring for who's critically ill we have a responsibility to everybody travelling Okay, that is one of the paramedics based in the city uh, Gloria speaking to Fiona Corcoran explaining why they are out on strike uh, today and uh, we're having tech problems with our WhatsApp machine and I'm having difficulty accessing them, but John Paul has managed to get a bulk of them that have come in, uh, particularly on the fox hunting issue. Let me give you a sample of some of the WhatsApps in. Uh, Tony says, morning, Patricia, regarding fox hunting. The hunting is not the problem, to be honest. There is no better sight in the Irish countryside than a pack of hounds followed by the huntsman on horseback. The problem is that when the fox goes to ground, they're being dug out and that simply is the fact. I don't care who rings in to defend the local hunt. The foxes are being dug out and that is happening. And then you have 40 plus hounds tearing it apart. Uh, yeah, it's just, it is the very thought of what happens when the fox is killed. Now, you know, except that Jim and other people involved in, in hunting say that a lot of foxes are not killed. But, you know, as Margaret said, even one fox is one too many. And it's the idea of the pack of hounds killing the fox even though Jim and he's a man in the know uh, he says the fox is killed instantly uh, Morning Patricia says uh, Heidi if the Irish Cancer Society don't want the money why not give it to an Alzheimer charity I'm sure they'll take it I hate cruelty to any animals but please don't waste the money Patricia foxes attack to survive men hunt for sport plain and simple. Well, the money isn't going to go to waste, according to uh, Jim uh, from the Abbey Field. Harriers, they've had four charities already contact them when this news broke to say, if the Irish Cancer Society don't want your money, we'll take it from you. Jane says, hi Patricia, fox hunting cannot be justified. It's cruel. Running packs of dogs is ridiculous and it's dangerous. Little kids in gardens while these packs are going 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 past. On our farm the dogs chased the cattle and nearly killed a bull who was been who was been hunt who ended up being hunted into a bog. It was ridiculous behaviour. Go on, Margaret, who was on earlier speaking with Jim, she is well able. Uh, Claire says the Irish Hunt Society shouldn't the Irish Cancer Society shouldn't accept money from fox hunting. It is barbaric and Claire writes that in big bold letters. They should however demand that the tobacco and alcohol industry fund the majority of the work at the Irish Cancer Society as smoking and alcohol are already been proven to be the bigger uh, biggest causes of cancer in this country. Smoking and alcohol will be around for years to come says Claire. And just a final one on WhatsApp from Eugene. If the Irish Cancer Society can refuse to take money from certain countryside pursuits. It says a lot about our so-called open, inclusive society. The next time I get stopped on the street by somebody collecting for the Irish Cancer Society, I will be sure to inform them that I hunt, I shoot and I fish. So they won't be able to take money from me either, says uh, Eugene. And just one final one. Well done. 
There's this texture to the Irish Cancer Society for not accepting donations from fox hunting pursuits. Fox hunting is cruel, blood sport, and it should be banned. Um, I, for one, will be putting the Irish Cancer Society as my number one charity from now on. Now, we are going to move on from the, uh, the fox hunting. And if we get a chance, I'll return to a lot of commentary in on it. But I want to move on because this week, the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, said that absolutely no parallels should be drawn between the National Children's Hospital overrun controversy and the still stalled event centre for Cork, despite the fact that the common denominator between both projects is the developer BAM. Solidarity TD Mick Barry uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Mick. Hi, Patricia. Do you believe lots of comparisons can be drawn between the two projects? Uh, I do, yes. Um, And the example that I gave when I spoke in the doll on it is that, you know, if if Simon Coveney and Leo Varadkar don't want to compare the Cork Event Centre with what's happening at the National Children's Hospital, uh, let's look at the third example and let's look at what happened at the Port of Cork. Because as you know, we've seen the redevelopment of the Port of Cork with it being transferred um, down to the mouth of the harbour at Ring of Skiddy. Mm-hmm. Um, the developer who was given that tender was BAM. Mm-hmm. The tender was for £46 million. Um, and then once they got the contract, um, they looked for 58 million, which is an increase of more than 25%. There was actually a court case about it, and they said that uh, the 12 million gap was due to what they described as an arithmetic error, right? Yeah, they got the sums wrong when they were adding up, and they admitted approximately 12 million when they were adding their total, was the yeah, argument well, they used. I mean, you'd fail your junior cert if, if, if you got those kind of sums wrong, you know? Well, it's, it's, that it's, are, that it's quite being, a mistake to make. Yeah, so this is a company that's been given uh, hundreds of millions or even billions of euro worth of taxpayers' money for extremely prestigious uh, projects like the National Children's Hospital. So, you know, Simon Coveney can say, let's not bring the Cork Event Centre into it, but okay, so you've got the Port of Cork. Uh, you do have the Cork Event Centre, and now, most tellingly, you've got the National Children's Hospital and... Um, it seems to me that the evidence points very strongly towards um, uh, a company that bids uh, low, uh, gets contracts, and then uh, costs in not one case, two cases, but three cases. But, uh, they, but therein seems to lie the problem, Mick. We, we, do we now have to move away from this, giving it to the lowest bidder? And if somebody does put in a tender that is, you know, way below, sometimes 20% below the nearest the next nearest tender, should that not ring alarm bells? Uh, I think it should ring uh, alarm bells. Uh, I don't think it's any construction, uh, it's any great secret in the construction industry that this was um, almost approaching a modus operandi uh, for some companies. Uh, and I think that, you know, uh, no one in a position of power and authority can claim the excuse of uh, we didn't know what the form book was. But I, I think that the debate needs to be broadened out a bit now. And instead of just saying, OK, we'll tweak the system, um, should we not be uh, opening up a discussion on whether for-profit uh, corporations should be getting these contracts in the first place? Is it not about time that we had a discussion about the establishment of a state-run construction company, which takes the profiteering element out of the equation? Go back to the day when we used to build our own council houses. 
Yeah, I mean, back in the day, uh, it, you know, Cork City Council, Dublin City Council, uh, big cities would have had their own um, uh, building units yeah. uh, who, who would have um, provided apprenticeships for young people and trained them up uh, to, in a lot of cases, uh, uh, build uh, quality housing and quality estates. So uh, it can be done. Uh, it's not a, a new idea. And um, uh, the idea of nationalisation um, uh, and society taking control of the resources that are there uh, to build things that we need, uh, hospitals, uh, schools, schools and housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, it seems that the debate is mainly around tweaking this or tweaking that, but we want to broaden it out now and make that part of the discussion. That's not a bad idea. Have you floated that suggestion? Uh, I have, yeah. I mean, what uh, reaction are you getting? Um, well, the other night in the doll, uh, I raised the idea uh, uh, with Pascal Donahue. You know, um, uh, Pascal didn't seem too keen on the idea. Uh, he tried to bat it back to me by saying, "The last time we set up a major state enterprise, uh, you caused it no end of trouble." But I mean, he was referring to Irish water. That was trying to that was trying to uh, extract water charges out of people before uh, privatisation would come onto the agenda, you know. So you're not comparing like with like there, you know. Look at you, you've got a government there which is very much uh, leaning towards the interests of private enterprise, uh, the interests of uh, profits and profiteering, uh, and who aren't inclined to listen to solutions which challenge that idea. Um, so we all know where Fine Gael are coming from on that. I'm more interested in pitching the idea um, to ordinary people in society uh, and building up um, support among ordinary people towards the idea of uh, doing things in a, a different way. And I think certainly the, the case for that is uh, very clear uh, in an example such as this. OK, and just go back to the uh, Cork Events Centre. I mean, one of the arguments that, you know, we can't compare uh, compare like with like in the National Children's Hospital is that the original plan for the Events Centre was smaller than what was then decided. So obviously it's a bigger project, so it is going to cost more. But talk to me about the Events Centre. We had the three-year anniversary of the turning of the sod this week. Will we ever see it built? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, people just roll their eyes and are weary uh, when they hear the story uh, uh, nowadays. Uh, I was actually um, at the meeting of Cork City Council in, I think it was 2014, um, when the proposal for the Cork Event Centre uh, was brought to the council. Um, the public gallery um, was fairly crowded that night. Uh, one of the people in the public gallery is current Tonsch, uh, Simon Coveney, who had I think it's probably fair to say, I stand to be corrected, that he had brokered a deal. Certainly he was closely associated with a, a, a deal which involved uh, BAM on the one hand, uh, the state through the department on the other, and Cork City Council um, putting together various sums of money to, 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 to kick it off. I remember speaking in the debate last night. Now, some people might say, Mick Barry, you're a bore. You say the same thing again and again. Other people might say, Mick Barry, you're very consistent. You stick to your guns, you know. But uh, essentially what I said at the council meeting that night was very similar to what I've just argued with, with, with you there. I said, look, in Australia, New Zealand and other countries, um, it's not unusual for uh, event centres, for 
entertainment, uh, um, uh, music, performances, etc., to be uh, designed, built, and operated uh, publicly uh, on a not-for-profit basis. And we would be better off uh, doing that here. Now, you know, as is often the case, um, you know, the Fine Gaelers and the Fianna Fáilers of this world rubbish the idea and saying that it was, you know, a ridiculous idea. But I, I would put forward the proposal, which I don't think anyone could really argue with, that if that suggestion had been taken up uh, at the night or at the time, that the people of Cork would be enjoying their new event centre at this stage. Uh, and the state would have only laid out a little bit more money than it's being asked to pay for now by Bamman Live Nation. Yeah. Uh, so, well, uh, would you like to put a date on when you think it'll open? Uh, I'd say your guess is a good <laughs> mind there, uh, Patricia. We'll keep our fingers crossed. And, and, on, and on the hospital, uh, Mick, the, the children's hospital, I mean, Simon Harris has pledged that the government will attempt to reduce the 1.4 billion euro hospital uh, budget. Do you think they'll be able to reduce it? Will they be able to save any of the money? Well, I was in the the doll the other night when the issue was being debated uh, and I listened carefully to the contribution of Deputy Mick Wallace from uh, Wexford. Now, um, I would agree with Deputy Wallace on some points when it comes to politics and I would disagree with him on other points. Um, But, I mean, his background is in building and construction, so he probably knows a bit more. Maybe not too successfully at times, but yeah, I accept he 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 does have the background. Yeah, um, I mean, certainly he would know more about how that system operates than the majority of all deputies, you know? Yeah, fair and enough. He, he looked across the chamber and he said to Simon Harris and Pascal Donoghue that um, you're not going to keep this at 1.7 million and I don't think you'll even keep it at 2.2 million, that kind of open-ended contract that you've given to the big private Uh, corporations who, after all, have a responsibility to their own shareholders to maximise profits. That's what they're there for, right? Um, uh, Opens the door to the the costs to increase uh, even further uh, in the years ahead. He was arguing that you should go back uh, and start from scratch in relation to it. Um, So I I, I think there's a question, not only will they they get the cost down, but actually the kind of... um, very favourable, some would say, sweetheart deals that have been done uh, with the, the corporations here uh, maybe open the door to them squeezing more money as a taxpayer in the, in the years ahead. Okay, and so one of our listeners in Bantry, Donald, says um, BAM did the peer in Bantry. I remember when they got the, the contract in 2016, I think, didn't they get awarded the contract uh, for the peer? Yeah, uh, 2016. Uh, anyway, um, Dave Donald says uh, BAM did the peer in Bantry and the price went up and up once they got the contract so you can add Bantry to your list That's very interesting isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know it's... I mean the, the, the more light that is shone on this the more stories that come out mm. you know mm. um, so although you know you're, you're, you're speaking down the other end of the phone to a socialist here so I'll, 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 I'll make a a very socialist point to you, Patricia, right? Go on. Um, is that, um, do you remember that film, The Crying Game, where they had the, the thing about the, uh, the the frog being stung by, stung by the scorpion? You know yeah, that story? yeah. And the scorpion was asked, why did it, why did, did he do it? Because everyone drowned in the end. And uh, he said, well, it's in my nature, right? Mm. And it's in the nature of, let's not single out Pam, it's in the nature of any big corporation 
to try and maximise their profits. Yeah, and if they yeah. have compliant politicians who yeah, offer right. them deals which allow them the opportunity to squeeze more and more out of the taxpayer and maximise their profits, of course they'll do it, which is why we need to be talking about socialist ideas and socialist policies, not just tweaking the capitalist policies that are there at the moment, but actually saying, no, let's do things in a fundamentally different way, not for profit, for the needs of people, nationalisation and public ownership, and cut the profiteering out of the services that we need, whether it's our education system, our health system, and so on. By the way, I've got a perfect example this morning uh, of uh, how when you run a health service along corporate lines as though it was a private company, um, that ordinary people get a raw deal. I mean, the public support down here on the Kinsale Road for the ambulance for staff, the paramedics, ambulance yeah. staff is just tremendous this morning, I have to say that. Yeah, and there's this, there, that dispute is a bizarre one. Why won't the HSC acknowledge their union? Uh, I think the reason is probably not just bloody-minded stubbornness. Um, I suspect that the ambulance service was so grossly underfunded during the austerity years they're down hundreds of staff on where they should be. They're down hundreds of ambulances on where they should be. And this is uh, a fighting union uh, led by rank-and-file ambulance crew. I, th- I think that if they reckon that if they recognise them, they'll really be under pressure then to bring the service up to scratch, to, to hire more people and to get more ambulances But in. the service needs to be brought up to scratch. We're hearing too much about ambulance drivers being expected to go to Dublin at the end of a, a 12-hour shift. Exactly. So on the one hand, you've got the question of workers' rights, and on the other hand, you've got uh, the question of a good health service for the people. The two things, like with the Nurses and Midwives uh, campaign, go absolutely hand in hand. And it's a reason why the public, who I think are supporting the ambulance crew uh, today, that that uh, support needs to be strengthened and maintained. Very, very important that they win. Of course, there's other issues there as well. The, The whole issue of bullying in the workplace is... Well, central to this dispute as okay. well, you know. That's a different issue that I'm not going to get into now. But listen, I leave it there, uh, Mick. Thank you for that. And I, well, before you go, Dan says, Patricia, I agree with um, Deputy Mick Barry regarding how wide open we are to the likes of BAM to be ripped off uh, and also the people that gave the millions to the fiasco that oh, now is Porky nice, Always nice when someone rings in to agree with you. Okay. All right, uh, Mick. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Solidarity Doll Deputy Mick uh, Take a look at some of your calls coming in. Finbar and Balancolic is raising an interesting topic and uh, one wonders has this happened to anybody else. Uh, Finbar is trying to insure his car. Now, it's a 2002 car with 77,000 miles. Very low mileage, isn't it, for a 2002 car? Uh, he's had it NCT'd. Just recently it was NCT, so it is uh, roadworthy. Sailed through the NCT, everything is fine. But three insurance companies point blank said, no, sorry, we don't insure any cars from 2002. Fimber said, why? And they said, why? Well, the obvious one, the car is too old. Um, Fimber is wondering, are they breaking the law in not even giving him a quote? Have they a right to do this? Can they decide who they're going to quote and who they're not going to quote? Also, he raises the question, why are we paying for and bringing our cars to be NCT'd, taking them to the centre, passing the NCT, if the insurance companies are saying, well, we're not going to give you insurance uh, on them? What is the point in actually doing the NCT test? Now, he did get one quote from an insurance company, but he said it was ridiculously high. So hence the reason he decided to ring around 
as we're, we're always telling people to do, shop around when it comes to your insurance quotes. We've seen people have shopped around at insurance quotes before and they've saved themselves a lot of money. So that's what he was trying to do. And, and he reckons now the reason that the original quote was so high, that there's some kind of a loading on it because the car is a 2002 car. And I, I, your point is valid particularly since the NCT, why are we doing NCT tests on our cars? Were we not told that by by having the NCT test, because over in England they had the MOT and we were way behind them. We didn't have any sort of a car testing in this country. And the argument that was put forward at the time as to why we'd all have to get our cars tested every couple of years and every year when the car is over 10 years was it was going to have safer cars on our roads and therefore if we'd safer cars on our road we'd have less car accidents and it would be better for everybody. So I think Fimber has a valid point. I can understand an old car that fails the NCT. I can understand why an insurance company will not quote or will not insure that car. But here's a car that's roadworthy and it's roadworthy according to the national test that was introduced in this country to make sure that our cars are roadworthy. And yet Fimber now having a problem getting car insurance. Anybody got advice for uh, Fimber? Um, I, I, I think I, I'll look into it, uh, Fimber, in a couple of minutes. I'll get John Paul to look into it. But I think once you've got a quote, I think that's it. Once you have to be given at least one quote from a company, if everybody refuses you, the Insurance Federation, they nominate somebody isn't it? and that person has to give you a quote, even if it's a ridiculous quote. So I think you may be stymied the fact that you've already got one quote. But we'll put it out there to see, has anybody else had similar problems? Is there a way around it for Finbar trying to get car insurance on a 2002 car? It was very low mileage on it, I have to say. 1850, 333. 103, our lines are open. Now, in the hope of raising funds for Alzheimer research, my next guest last month set off on what will be a four-year walk. Yes, you did hear me right. A four-year walk around the coast of Ireland and the United Kingdom, currently in the Cork area. I'm delighted to welcome Karen Penny uh, to the programme this morning uh, from Wales. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Well, it's a pleasure. We're looking forward to chatting with you. Uh, This is an unbelievable undertaking. How many miles or kilometres will you expect to do in total? Um, I work in miles, so I'm sorry about conversion. Okay. But it's about 20,000 miles altogether, um, because that will include, um, obviously, the, uh, the perimeter of both Ireland and the United Kingdom mainland, but also... Um, many of the largest islands that I'll be travelling around as well. And, of course, all the estuaries that you go up and down. You know, you, you, you walk 12 miles in, you walk 12 miles back the other yeah, side. Yeah. to make about a mile of land. So, um, so yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a great walk. So it is indeed. You started a little over a month ago. That's right. Um, funny enough, it was yesterday. Um, I started, I left my home um, in the Gower, which is just outside Swansea in Wales. And I walked the Welsh um, coastal path to Fishguard. And then on the 3rd of February, I caught a ferry over to Ross Lair. And since that time, I've been walking um, alongside the coast and on the coast itself, um, travelling through County Wexford, County Waterford, and now here I am in Cork. And um, <laughs> heading into heading today to a, a place called Timmerleague. Timmerleague, we know it well. We know it well. Oh, good. And you've, what, you, you've set, what, a, a cha- 15 miles a day, is it? Did I read that somewhere? Yes, it's a, it, 
the average is 15 miles a day. Um, many days I'm actually walking more um, and a couple of days slightly less, but it's averaging over the time. It's the 15 miles a day and I've just passed my 500 mile mark Well done, you. I'm delighted. Well done, <laughs> you. Okay, take me back. How and why did you come up with this idea? Um, t- two reasons. First of all, I- I'm very passionate about walking. It's, it's something I love doing. Um, I've done some um, long-distance walks previously, walking the length of Wales, both north and south, and then the other way round. And I've also walked the, um, the length of the UK mainland from John O'Groats to Land's End. And I've always raised money for um, Alzheimer's research uh, because of the, the huge impact that Alzheimer's and dementia has had on, on my family. My husband's parents, Alma and Kingsley, sadly, both passed away, one with vascular dementia uh, and the other initially with cognitive impairment and then full-blown full Alzheimer's and you know Alma Alma died within six months and, and Kingsley had Alzheimer's for eight years oh. and it was it's a, it's a terrible disease it just it, it robs people of their old age it's um it's just so debilitating and and it has such an impact on family you know when you love somebody and you know they're not the same person anymore and you know their personalities change and they they no longer understand where they are or what they're doing or, or who, who loved ones who care for them are. It's, it's terribly Stretch, sad. And, um, dreadful I, you know, I condition. I want to do my best for it. Well done. So, uh, so but, but, but a walk that's going to take you four years, Karen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how did you sell... Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to ask you, how did you sell that one to your other half? Well, I mean, the, the beauty about it is that, uh, all, all jokes aside, you know, more time for his golf and, uh, <laughs> and a nice tidy house while I'm gone. But, you know, it's his parents that were, yeah. were, were, you know, affected. And he was terribly distraught as to what happened. And, um, you know, he supports me 100%. You know, we've been together a very long time now. Um, you know, it, we, we do things independently of each other. But we've also support each other enormously. And, in fact, he's coming out next week um, to, to support me while I walk um, the Bearer Peninsula. Oh. Um, bringing a camper van with him. Um, so it gives me a chance to, to ditch this heavy rucksack for a couple of days. I can tell you now, the Bearer Peninsula is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. You're going, exactly. you're, you're going to love it. Now, you're, you, you mentioned your, your backpack. You're carrying with you your provisions, including a tent. Everything. Everything I need for the next four years is in my <laughs> rucksack. So as I've been walking every day, I've made a resolution, and that is, if I haven't used it in a month, it's going home when my husband comes over. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's going home. Um, you know, I've just got to be ruthless on it and cull so much stuff. Because I thought I've been pretty good as it is, but it's thirty-five pounds in weight. Sorry, thirty-five pounds in weight, which is about eighteen kilos roughly. And um, you know, at the end of a long day, that's quite a strain on on your back. And it's got my tent, um, like a, a lilo bed in there. It's got a cooker in there. I mean, I've got a cooker with me. I don't need it. It's going home. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Tell, yeah, and tell me about the journey so far. In that you've you're, you're you're getting beds for the night. People are coming out and supporting you. Yeah, my my intention was to, was to camp. The last thing I want to be is an imposition on anybody. And you know, I just wanted to sort of um, you know do this walk, raise as much money profile as possible. And then what's happening is that um, because of radio shows like yourself and, and local newspaper and also social media as well. People are learning about my walk and, and all of a sudden, you know, I go somewhere expecting to put my tent up and have a patch of grass for the night and all of a sudden, you know, somebody's letting me stay in their cottage or uh, a bunkhouse. Or, and, and last night, j- just, just Kinsale alone, as I walked into Kinsale, 
the number of cars that went past tooting and waving, uh, wishing me luck, uh, people stopping to give me an alternation en route, and then um, a hotel called the Trident Hotel. Yeah. Put me up for the night. I mean, that is just unbelievably very, very humbling and, and so very generous and kind of people. Because I think, you know, ultimately, Alzheimer's affects so many families and so many people that, you know, it's, it's everybody in their own way doing, doing a little bit, isn't it, to sort of support, support this walk and, um, you know, and try and make my, my time here a, a little bit more comfortable. Um, and, and so many of the campsites are closed at the moment. It'll be lovely in the summer when they're open. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem, particularly down around West Cork that you're going to have. There isn't many campsites. Yes. Have you a bed tonight in Timaleague? I do. Um, <laughs> it's a place called, um, oh, oh, Sexton's Caravan Sex- and Camping. Yeah, yeah, I know it. Sexton's. I know it. I don't know if you know that. I do, yeah, which I is, do, yeah. Which is, which is wonderful. And Hi to really Margaret good. and all the gang there. They're great. They're, they're, that's a fun place, can I say. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I can guarantee you an early night in, in, in that caravan park. <laughs> they've, uh, they've been messaging me all week to say they're looking forward to me coming uh, and that's, that's absolutely brilliant so uh, that's great that is great so uh, you're quite distinctive in that you have this big pack on your back so I mean people are that's how people will spot you along the way you can't miss me I'm all in blue it just happens to be like that and um, and I've got a great big flag on the back blowing in the wind <laughs> Alzheimer's with Alzheimer's written on it and you know as I said this morning you know I've just walked well, virtually seven to eight kilometres from Kinsale now, and, and every other car that's gone past has given me a wave and a two. So it's actually really encouraging because it is a bit of a lonely road, and you know sometimes you don't, you know, you have a little bit of dip and you, and you know think this is a long time ahead, and then you know a little bit of encouragement, a message on my you know social Facebook group or or, or on Twitter or something, you know, it sets you right for the day and mm. keeps you going for the whole day, and then just take one day as it comes, and, and that's the way I get through it. Brendan by text says, fair play to her. I saw her at Barrels Cross about an hour ago. <laughs> oh, thank you, Brendan. Uh, and how, how thank can, you so much for waving. How, much, uh, how can people uh, donate to, to, to um, your cause? I have a, a page. It's called Just Giving. I think, uh, I think in Ireland it's Go Giving. But in, uh, um, no, it's ju- it's, you know, it's, no, Just Giving. Oh, it's yeah, just, it's Just Giving. Yeah. Oh, just Giving. Yeah. Fabulous. And um, I call myself the Penny Rolls On. Okay. And um, so that's how people find me. If you put Karen Penny, the penny rolls on, um, then you find my Facebook group, which details and, chron- and, and chronologies my walk around Ireland. Um, Twitter, which is the, obviously the odd picture and things you can put up and tell you people where I'm going. Instagram for lovely photographs. And, um, and then my Just Giving page as well. And in a month, I've already raised £23,000. That's it. I incredible. Yeah, it's it's, it's really a, really kind. It's a hundred thousand. We'll say that quickly. That's what you're hoping to raise, is it? <laughs> it is. Yes, yeah. hundred thousand. And so, if I'm walking for four years, and you know the average is twenty five thousand a year, I've nearly made it in a month. Yeah, so, already. You know, how fantastic is that? And and will you go home at Christmas? No, uh, and there's a good, there's a good reason for that too, and it's my mother. <laughs> she she desperately didn't want me to go. You know, your mum's you know daughter. Yeah. She forgets I'm fifty three. She still thinks I'm sort of about five or six years old and can't look after myself. And she just says, you know, I know if I go home, there'll be so much. Oh, you know, you've done a good job so far. Now you now you can stay at home and. You know, I, I really need to sort of make the commitment to doing this, and so that's deliberately why when I get back to Fishguard, I then head north to, to North Wales and then up towards Scotland. And I, you know, at the moment it looks like there's going to be a, a winter in Scotland at some time. 
And so, so we've worked out you'll be home in January 2023. That's right. <laughs> 57 I'll be then. <laughs> so, so, so put the kettle on. Uh, and, and, put the kettle on, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, you're incredible. Listen, we wish you luck with it, um, Karen, and uh, we hope you meet lots of wonderful people on, on route. Uh, I, we know the people of Cork well. They'll, we'll certainly look after you while you're here. Uh, but thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. And thank you for talking to me too. I really appreciate okay. it. Okay, bye-bye, bye-bye. That is the lovely Karen Penny. Uh, keep a lookout for her on the roads, as you say. She's quite distinctive, so, you, so you, can't, you can't miss her with the blue flag waving in the breeze. And if anybody wants to help her out en route, if anybody wants to put her up for a night, it would be really terrific. Let's show her good Cork hospitality, but she's doing it in a great cause to raise money for Alzheimer at research. We wish her luck with it. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Eilish, who says, could, could listening to me, and I'm very nasally sounding, um, and apologies for, for the quality of the voice uh, this week. Could Patricia be allergic to flowers? Was there lilies in the bouquet that she got uh, yesterday? There was gorgeous lilies in the bouquet I got yesterday, Eilish. But no, uh, I don't have an allergy to flowers. This I've been battling this head cold since Monday, so I had it way before the flowers arrived. But thank you. It's just a rotten cold. Um, there seems to be a lot of them doing the rounds at the moment. At least it's Friday. I'll have the weekend, and hopefully, when it comes back on Monday it'll be well gone okay some of your thoughts coming into us this morning on the Irish Cancer Society deciding to not take uh, money anymore from the Abbey Field Hunt and the festival the Harriers annual Hunt Festival which is on at the moment they, since 2005 this festival has been fundraising the fox hunt has been going on and the money raised they've been giving to the Irish Cancer Society and they reckon about €30,000 they've given them over uh, the years but this year the Cancer Society say they do not want to accept a donation from the from fox hunt activities and it's because of the number of calls they got in from patients and supporters who were upset about the idea of the Abbeyfield Harriers annual hunt festival about money's been raised from that going to the Irish Cancer Society so the Cancer Society have said we don't want your money anymore Michael Limerick said the Cancer Society he feels could lose out big time if they decide to start refusing money from one hunt as many organisations such as shooting and other country pursuits may uh, also raise money for the Irish Cancer Society but he feels what it will do is it is putting a spotlight on the Abbey Field Hunt Festival and it will make that go bigger and stronger well your, your point is proven by the fact we're talking about it today. I imagine there's a lot of people listening to this programme who'd never heard of the Abbeyfield Harriers before, who'd never heard about this hunt, this festival that they run every year. So yeah, they are getting a lot of publicity. And the uh, Michael Nimick says that he was actually in Abbeyfield in, the, in, in that area during the week and this controversy was starting to break and he said he actually heard chatting to somebody who said what happens if somebody goes into hospital with cancer from Abbey Field and says I'm hunting all my life will they refuse to help or, or treat them well no of course they won't um, but Michael said that's the feeling that's on the ground there's a lot of disappointment a lot of disappointment on the ground because I mean even listening to Jim who spoke with us one of the members the reason that they decided to give money to the Irish Cancer Society was because sadly many of their members over the years cancer has touched their households and their doorstep 
to show me a family in Ireland the cancer hasn't touched them so that's why they selected that charity so there, there's a disappointment obviously now they're going to give the money to I know it'll be interesting to see and will we find out we might keep in contact with Jim to find out what charity they've decided to give the money to because four charities have already come forward and said if the Irish Cancer Society don't want your money folks we will uh, take it uh, for from you there was also a text in from a listener saying, I wonder is this another one of those charities that does, doesn't want to accept funds from groups whose members aren't high profile enough? I know, I know a fundraiser who organised, I know fundraisers who organised a fundraising event for a certain Dublin-based charity and then they couldn't arrange to meet them to accept the funds so they lost uh, out. Uh, yeah, I've heard that happen before as well when People organise an event and they ask somebody to turn up to, you know, to receive the cheque and to have a bit of a, you know, a handing over of the money sort of a situation. And then the charity Ertendall was able to provide somebody. And that can really annoy the people who are fundraising and then it turns them off fundraising for that charity again. But in the charity's defence, now I don't know what charity you're talking about here, I don't know how big or how small the charity is, they don't always have a lot of bodies on the ground. I mean, if it was a Dublin-based charity, would they have had somebody to come to Cork to accept the cheque? It isn't always possible for them to have somebody available. And, you know, I'm just putting that out there as a defence for that particular charity. But I have heard that happen before. Now, we were trying to get insurance for poor old Finbar was trying to insure a 2002 car. He's had one very high quote and three people refused him point blank. They said the car is too old, even though it is fully NCT'd. So according to the rules of the land, this car is roadworthy. James contacted us to say he's actually driving a 45-year-old school bus. Now, when we dug a little bit deep into finding out about how you get an insurance on a 45-year-old bus if our Finbar can't get insurance on a 2002 car James then says he's got a garage policy and the bus is insured through a motor trade policy so that's slightly different so that's of no help or no use at all uh, to Finbar and, and I doubt whether he'd be able to get his car could he could find somebody in the motor trade to insure his car. I doubt that that can, can happen. But thank you for letting us know that you are driving a 45-year-old school bus and you can get insurance on that. Somebody says tell um, Tim Finbar to go to a broker. They may be able to help him out. And somebody is suggesting go to a try Mitchellstown. I don't know the name of a broker, but somebody's saying uh, to try a broker. I don't know where. Did we find out where Finbar was calling us uh, from? I'm sure he's got brokers uh, that he could... It is certainly worth a try. And Mick says, tell Finbar to go to Post Insurance. They should give him a quote. I, I don't know. I don't know of the three companies that have turned him down. So I don't know if he's tried Post Insurance, but if he hasn't, we will pass that on. Thank you for that, uh, Mick. John says, Patricia, companies in this country are all out to maximise profits. I'm assuming this is to do with the building and... and the overruns of building projects. They're all out to maximise their profits. In other words, they rob people for what they can get out of them. Look at the banks, look at politicians, look at insurance companies. The list goes on and on. As a German man said to me one day, the Irish tried to become millionaires overnight. The country is rotten, says uh, John. On the overrun in the hospital, uh, according to Michael Healy Ray, and Matty McGrath, the costings were not accurate two years ago when the project was first announced. Michael Healy Ray reckons now it will cost closer to €3 billion. Euro. 
due to location and to uh, design. It might be worth talking to him uh, now. The location is still a big issue, even though Simon Harris is adamant that they're not moving. I mean, you know, there's there's a hole in the ground there at the moment as they've started the work. They technically could move if they wanted to. But we know the argument that was there initially about the location. And, and you know, I still am on the side of why would you locate the biggest hospital in the country for children? Why would you locate it in the middle of Dublin City that already is congested when it comes to traffic and that traffic you know ain't going to get any easier in the years ahead we know the way congestion goes with traffic it just builds and builds and builds and you wonder if you know in the if you had a crystal ball and 20 30 years down the track will people look at it and say why do they ever decide to build this in the middle of a big city there was huge arguments for moving that hospital out onto a greenfield site and have it close to the M50 you know where where people coming certainly from the south uh, would be able to just swing off and it would even be easier for people coming from the west and, and from the north but of course it wouldn't have suited Dublin people too well even though I'd thinking about that I think it would uh, anyway uh, it, it, they're not they're not returning we can we can rehash that and have that argument over and over again Simon Harris is adamant the Children's Hospital is going ahead at the site co-located with St James's Hospital and it's not moving it's just what the end cost is going to cost us is the big question and Sarah says Hi Trish reading the Examiner this morning this is a front page story in the Examiner it'll cost circa 2 million euro for a full pitch replacement at Porky Queef who will pay for this and is there any comeback on the contractor who laid the original pitch typical Ireland we keep paying out says Sarah and Sarah's right front page of the Examiner today runs with a headline of saying 2 million bill for new pitch at, as pork porky creef costs overrun and it's a really um, good piece written by Owen English who's talking about the true extent of the cost of the redevelopment of porky creef and now the new the new pitch the new pitch could be as much as 2 million and now there has been a revised cost of the stadium regeneration it's come in at 95.8 million god just that's just under a billion, isn't it? Now, that's 10 million more than was expected, but it's almost 50 million less than was suggested by the stadium and the commercial uh, director, Peter McKenna, in December. The final estimated cost, according to Owen English, from the stadium board uh, members um, are, and the, are from the stadium board members, Michael O'Flynn and Tom Gray, Followed detailed review of county board accounts and uh, documents. Now, in a statement afterwards, the board said the figure includes provision for full replacement of the pitch, but a final decision has yet to be made. Now, it's the the the, the fact that here we have this wonderful stadium and a new pitch laid, and now we're already talking about how much is it going to be for a full replacement of the uh, the pitch. We do know, of course, that all the remaining Alliance League matches have now been moved to Porky Rin, Porky Cueve, while, while they undergo the work at the, the pitch. They're hoping 
that the Munster Senior Hurling Championship fixture between Cork and Tipperary on May the 12th. They're hoping that the work will be done and the pitch will be ready for that match to go ahead. And there's talks of what exactly is going to happen here. We do know that the pitch got caught up so badly during the two senior league uh, games in early February. And because of that, they've had to defer, defer, they've had to move what what matches that had been planned to be played there they've moved them uh, to Porky Rin uh, instead the, an expert said the cost of a full pitch replacement along with the provision of required maintenance technology expected in modern stadiums would come in at between one and a half million and two million so that's where this figure of two million is coming in the bulk of the spend would be on, on the technology required to maintain the surface including an undersoil heating system which would cost about 300,000 and then they need eight grow light rigs and they cost about 100,000 each and it seems one of the problems is the that it's not drainage because when, when the day after the hurling match when people were saying it was a disgrace I can't believe the way the the, the guys had to play on the, the pitch it was all being dug up all over the place I mean it was dangerous at, at looking at part of it it did seem dangerous how they didn't nobody didn't turn over and, and sprain or break an ankle I don't know I don't know and at the time people were saying it's got to be the drainage it's got to be something wrong with the drainage it seems the drainage isn't the main problem but it's a light issue in the stadium because of course Porky Cueve you've got that now wonderful large roof over the south ta- south stand and that's a problem it's not enough light getting in so that's why they're talking about these eight grow light uh, rigs are going to be uh, put on instead but two million. It's It does seem absolutely crazy but no Sarah, certainly in that article in today's paper there doesn't seem to be any comeback on the contractor. I mean you know, will the case be that well you know, you've got there isn't enough light getting in that's not our fault, we laid it as per the specs but yeah, for a new pitch uh, and it's not what you expect to see. 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Dancing to Finbar Dennehy in Kilbritton Hall they've got a social and dance going on with tea and cakes it's on tonight at half past nine proceeds going towards the upkeep of the hall Bingo's in Kildallery Community Hall tonight 8.30 all are welcome and Clyde Rovers GAA their annual lotto draw is in the Hill Bar in Bottle Hill tonight this week's jackpot 12,500 euro tickets available from Jerry O'Donoghue and if you have an hour or two to spare tomorrow Saturday why not go along to the Bowmount Quarry between 11am and 12.30pm and join in their Bramble Bash to try to remove the brambles from the site. Gloves, loopers and bin bags will all be provided. In Flight Flix International is launching a hashtag Global Wave campaign. It's to make our wild Atlantic way the greatest coastal touring route in the world. We know how wonderful it is, but we need to get the message out there to everybody else. Joining me, Martin O'Regan, who is CEO of In Flight Flix. Good morning or good afternoon to you, uh, Martin. It's gone past 12. Good afternoon, Martin. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. You're, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, tell me first a little bit about your company. You provide yeah. destination video guides. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're a, a, a small cork uh, company there and we're, uh, we're also, personally, we're passionate about promoting Ireland globally and, you know, we've developed a, a collection, a destination video guide um, to, to the Wild Atlantic Way now. Um, initially, over the last five years, we've made videos all over Ireland 
but over the last three years since uh, since I, I, I connected with uh, Morris Duppel, a great uh, man there from, from Gardstown and Kinsale, Indeed. we... Uh, We've created a destination video guide, high-end destination video guide to, to the Wild Atlantic Way that is currently on Aer Lingus since last April. So we formed a new company there last April and we're, we're live on Aer Lingus on 5,000 transatlantic seats. Um, so these are the, the little screens on the back of your seat when you're yes. on a transatlantic flight and up will pop when people are fed up with watching the movies and people I think always like to, I certainly know when I'm on a long-haul flight, I always like to take a look at where I'm going to Give you sort of ideas and suggestions of what you can do when you get there. Exactly, exactly. And from the airline perspective, they want to enhance the passengers' in-flight experience. So when you're, you're going to the destination, it gives you a, a kind of a greater sense of what, what will we do. And I suppose for people that are, are flying on other flights, you know, it inspires them to visit the, the Wild Atlantic Way. Mm-hmm. So um, we're, as I said, we're, we're, we're live on Aer Lingus since, uh, since last April. And we're in discussions with, with seven other airlines that, that fly to Ireland. And between those seven other airlines, they happen to carry 500 million passengers around the world. So a lot of we're, people. Uh, yeah. So, but, we're, but what we're what we're doing with the, with the global wave campaign is we want uh, we have our videos there on our, on our social channels, and we're looking for for people all over Ireland and those overseas who love Ireland to to like, share, and um, the videos. And our, our goal is to reach a million views of the videos. Um, and on social and I suppose inspire more people to visit Ireland. Um, and these are the, the exact same videos that people see in flight? Correct, yes. Yeah. So, so the videos are, are 30 second clips about things to do, places to go, stay, eat, drink and shop. So we, we review kind of the, the, the best experience. We have a nomination process and a review process and we um, we showcase these, these, these videos in our, our video guides. Now, the, the video guide is in relation to the, the Wild Atlantic Way. It's not a false, while we've permission to, to use the logo, we don't. Um, false Ireland are not involved in the, in the, okay. in the process. So just to make that clear, um, we, we stick to the Wild Atlantic Way. Um, we stick to the Wild Atlantic Way and we don't dev- feature visitor experiences that are not on the Wild Atlantic Way. Okay, I saw um, the video yesterday evening on Kinsale. Yes, so, so we have a, the, the, the first videos when we first put them up were aligned to the, the, the Wild Atlantic Way um, destination. So the Haven Coast in Kinsale was one, but now from, from, from the next update it will be a, a Cork video which will be West Cork from Kinsale West. So um, it would be a West Cork video. Um, and ha- have you filmed that yet? So we're filming it at the moment. Actually, oh, okay. a colleague is down there reviewing places at the moment. So um, he's in in, in Clonakilty there today, um, looking at, uh, at at various experiences to be featured. And are you looking for people to give you suggestions of where you should go and where you should film? Yes. So, so yeah, we're, we're, suggestions are always welcome of, of, of great experiences. You know, especially um, for overseas visitors. And uh, and then we, we review them, and there's a there's a nominal video production distribution fee, all right. But um, but we are looking to find the, the best experiences that are aligned, you know, to um, to the airlines. And the the other piece, I suppose, that's quite important is you know, as I said, it's it's aligned. So we we only feature you know experiences that we believe offer a great experience. So no matter how much a no matter how much of a, if if, if a, if uh, I would put it a, a strip club wanted to be <laughs> you're not going to put that in alright okay in there, so money doesn't come into it you know, so, so it's what places to eat so th- things to do places to go stay eat and, and, and shop I suppose you know so it's yeah. uh, unique experiences so like you know we, we were advised you know spoke to a number of the airlines and they said they're not looking for you know 
standard hotel accommodation. So it's nearly castles or lighthouses they're looking for if we're to feature places yeah. to stay, you know. Yeah. But, so really it's things to do, places to eat, eat drink, shop, um, but yeah, unique experiences is, is really what uh, that will inspire people um, to, to, to visit the Wild Atlantic Way. Um, we've, we've had a number of examples of, uh, you know, there's a, a place in Clifton there, um, uh, they make coloured glass, Connemara Blue is their name, and they've had people drive from Dublin to Clifton after watching the video oh. and they hadn't planned to leave Dublin, you know, so oh, it, 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 well it does done. work. You know? Yeah, well done, well done. Testimonials like that. How does the Wild Atlantic Way compare to other great coastal drives? Yeah, well, I suppose personally, I've, I've driven the Great Ocean Road and the Pacific Highway, and I suppose yeah, um, I've, I've always been passionate about promoting Ireland. And uh, you know, the, the, the Wild Atlantic Way is, is definitely up there. With, it's definitely the best in the world, as far as I'm concerned. You know, um, the like the night it was launched, I was awake at four o'clock in the morning, thinking, you know, this is really what what, uh, what Ireland needs. You know, and um, pe- people, I've travelled the, the, the Great Ocean Road and. The Wild Atlantic Way is as good as any of them. The scenery in Ireland is as good as anywhere yeah. in the world, uh, you know, especially on a fine day. But I, I think Falls Ireland have done a great job by not selling it as a fun destination. You know, the imagery that they use, that they promote it as wild, it's, it's not, you know, it, it really delivers on the expectation. And, and if you think about people that, you know, live in Texas, where it could be a two-hour flight to the ocean, you know, or someone in Germany, or people living in cities all over the world, that, you know, they don't get to see that experience of water crashing against waves. It doesn't matter that you know it isn't. It isn't a, it, it, the sun isn't splitting the rocks for them. You know the the, the weather is is, is an even an, another great factor to it. You know. Yeah, and the bonus so, is if they get a bit of sunshine, great. Even though I was in, I was down in in West Cork, and we met a, a family from uh, Las Vegas on on a, on a rather dreary brilliant. dreary day, and yeah. uh, great big smiles. On, and I was almost yeah. apologising for the weather. I said sorry about the weather, oh. and you and this woman said. We're from Las Vegas, honey. We yeah. want to get out of the heat. She thought yeah. it was gorgeous. She absolutely yeah. thought it was gorgeous. And like exactly what you're saying, she said, we, we don't, you know, we live in the middle of a desert. She said, exactly. to come here and see the waves crashing heaven. against, yeah, heaven. Yeah. So, but, but again, it, it, and I think Paul Turner have done a great job of, of communicating that, that it's, uh, you know, it's about the experience. And that's what we're looking for as well in the, um, when we're reviewing the place. You know, it's about that experience, you know, the, the smiles and, 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 and the local characters as well um, that make those experiences happen, you know. So, so we're not looking for, you know, any, any hotel chains or any, you know, there'll be no, um, there'll be no large, I suppose chains of you know no matter how much McDonald's want to pay to be in it there's no fear they're getting in you know <laughs> yeah, so, well done well done so, uh, okay and how could people get involved in sharing your Wild Atlantic Way video and get this yeah. uh, hashtag Global Wave going yeah so we're looking for people to, to, to share and tag um, the, the videos that are on our, our social on Inflight Flicks uh, on our social media our Facebook Twitter um, LinkedIn channels there so um, yeah we'd re- we really want people to, to share these videos and I'm, I'm even the Irish International Business Network next week to see if, how many people they can get to share it but ideally if everyone in if everyone in West Cork could share it with all their relations um, overseas and here you know we, we get inspire more people to, to visit the, the Wild Atlantic Way it, it is the greatest coastal tourism route in the world It is we uh, just uh, we, and we know it we just we have to stop sh- we, have to, we, have, we have to let everybody else know about it as well OK exactly. listen good luck with it uh, Martin and thanks a million for thanks joining us on the programme Good morning thanks. to you that is uh, Martin O'Regan who is CEO of In Flight uh, Flick uh, OK some of your 
texts coming in. There was a couple here that I just want to give a mention to. Pat says, Patricia, would you please put it out there for people to lobby their politicians to reverse the 23% that on supplements, food supplements, fish oils that we dis- we discussed that yesterday on the programme, Pat. I hope you heard it. Uh, it's due to come in the 1st of March. I rely on those supplements to keep my arthritis under control. Simple email, a letter or a call to a TD or minister will help, says Pat. And don't forget there is an online if you have access to online, there's an online petition as well. But you're right, Pat, if everybody contacted their local TD or if, if you, your local TD is a minister, even better. And just let them know how disappointed you are that revenue have decided to go from a zero rate VAT on health food supplements, vitamins and minerals, vitamins that you give to children. A lot of people give vitamins to children, particularly picky eaters. They, you know, like to make sure they have all of their vitamins. And 23% from the 1st of March. It's crazy. On fox hunting, I fully support the hunts, says this texture. Foxes are a pest. They need to be controlled. Poisons and traps are not species specific and kill many different forms of wildlife, often a long and a horrible death. Shooting is not a 100% kill guaranteed, leaving foxes winged and wounded and of course cannot, carry, cannot be carried out near roads or near any housing. Hunting with hounds kill instantly and more likely to catch the old and the sick fox, which are usually the problem animals. Do people realise the cancer medicines on trial are tested on animals? It's a disgrace that the char- charity caves in to pressure from a few but very loud vocal voices. Hunting people are some of the most down-to-earth and honest people you can meet and they deserve to be treated equally and they deserve to be treated respectfully without bias or prejudice. Okay, thank you for that uh, well-worded message to 0862 103103. To celebrate our latest radio ratings, C103 is dishing out free money. Free money. Grab your share of five grand with C103 Cash Tracks. Every morning at 8.15, Simon will reveal the C103 Superstar of the Day. Then, stay listening for two tracks back-to-back from that artist. When they play, be caller 50 to win your share of 5,000 euros. C103 Cash Tracks With Cavanaugh's, the new name for Ford and Mallow For new and used car sales, visit Cavanaugh's.com Starts Monday on the home of Cork's greatest hits C103 This is the Cork Today replay on C103 our movie reviewer Mark Malone joins us by phone today. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Afternoon, Patricia. You went to see Instant Families in the cinema and on DVD and streaming at Crazy Rich Asians. Let me take play a quick trailer from the movie. This is from Instant Families. Over a half million children are in foster care. Lizzie comes with two younger siblings. Why would you show us that? They're so cute. That's wrong. Can we be the Clippers? I'm more of a Lakers fan. You hit me because I like the Clippers. We love the Clippers. It is not going to be easy. But with love, you could make your house a home. Let me fix it for you. Thanks, Daddy. I got my first daddy. suck. What's some of that? I never get tired of watching white people fight. Instant family. Okay, certainly a story that's been told before of somebody, of people suddenly becoming parents to children. Yeah, for me that was the problem because we have seen a lot of this before although the film has been very, very well received. I saw it in the cinema. I saw the trailer ages ago. Uh, I saw it with the teenager actually and uh, we read, uh, I don't know what we read but uh, the trailer came on and I said, well that looks 
awful. <laughs> and she said, no, it looks great. And yeah, the reality is that I didn't particularly like it a great deal because uh, I just thought it was really clunkily done. But it has been very, very well received. I mean, people um, are, have, you know, a, a lot of warmth for this film, whereas I found it a kind of a difficult watch. And um, I didn't find it as funny as people said it was. I mean, I just thought it was really, really badly written. Uh, but there are those uh, out there who have um, uh, a fond regard for this film. So is, uh, it, is it pitched <clears throat> at teenagers? No, it isn't actually. I think it's uh, it's very much uh, pitched at uh, kind of uh, an older generation. I think, especially parents, because of course, uh, as parents, we've been through all of this before in the sense that you're bringing up uh, you know children, which is not an easy thing to do. Not so much uh, those of us who have uh, fostered uh, uh, children. Uh, it's um, the, the film is about this this couple, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne. They decide not to have their own children, but decide to foster, uh, and so they go to what's called this kind of fair, this very very odd fair, which is full of children who uh, they can uh, foster and they can basically kind of pick and choose who they want which, oh. which I thought was a bit odd uh, but obviously you know it's not that simple it's not that this easy. isn't real life folks well in, in a sense it kind of it is because the director Sean Andrews has been through the whole adoption kind of uh, history with his family so yeah. he knows what he's talking about um, obviously I mean it's not just a case of picking and choosing obviously you've got to go through all kinds of different kind of controls and uh, before you know that happens but um, they, it, it, what was interesting is that there were lots of beautiful little kids around which of course that, that they were looking at and in the corner were all the teenagers and of course they're told that no Nobody wants to foster the teenagers because, you know, they can be quite difficult. And they meet a teenager called um, uh, Lizzie, who's played wonderfully by Isabella Monaire. And she actually says to them, she said, don't worry about us. Go and have a look at the kids because nobody wants to have anything to do with the teenagers. So then they kind of feel slightly guilty about that. And they decide, well, let's foster her. She is then told that she also has a, a brother and sister, a younger brother and sister. And they uh, go as a trio. So if they want to, to foster, instead of just the one, they have to take That's all three. three. And that is not easy. And especially as uh, the two younger kids uh, they come from a broken home uh, their mother was a drug addict so therefore the two younger kids have very much kind of emotional kind of uh, problems because of that the older teenager is almost like a mother to them and in fact it's her who has to teach Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne how to bring up kids and that's where a lot of the comedy ensues Okay and I think they're not, so they're not it isn't three teenagers then the no, it's one teenager and two, and little, and two right. kids, yeah, who, you know, who behave like kids, I mean, a lot of the time as well. And, you know, there's a lot of tantrums, you know, especially when the little girl doesn't want to eat her dinner and she just wants to eat potato chips instead. And then, of course, she, she just throws this kind of wild tantrum. And so, therefore, I mean, the film is basically about uh, these two people learning to become parents. And as you say, and as I say, said, it's a story that's been done before countless and, times. And that was a problem for me, yeah. I wish it was better written, but um, as I say, it, uh, people do have um, a lot of regard for this film. It has its heart in the right place. And, you know, there are emotional scenes, uh, both happy and sad, and they are genuinely uh, emotional. There are dark moments as well. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't want to say, I'd kind of dismiss it completely. I think there were some wonderful, lovely kind of moments in this film which do work. I found it very long at nearly uh, two hours, but um, I would still recommend to people and especially if you've been through the whole kind of fostering process I think you will find it fascinating and are the children good the, uh, the children are amazing yeah, yeah. Isabella Monaire I think she was in uh, the last Transformers film with Mark Wahlberg oh. it was driving me crazy who she was she's terrific uh, so is Rose Byrne I think Mark Wahlberg sometimes hasn't got the emotional depth for a film like this sometimes and he's okay but it's, it's Rose Byrne and uh, Isabella Monaire who I was certainly uh, uh, you know she is certainly a name for the future she is terrific okay worth going along to see Oh, it's certainly, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think parents will certainly kind of identify uh, with uh, a, a lot of the, the situations that uh, the parents find themselves in. So, I mean, the film is basically about love and how love conquers all, and um, and that's what it's all about. Okay, so mark it at 10? I'll give it 8.
Eight out of yeah. ten. Okay. Instant Family is the name of that movie. Now, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, I mean, uh, the book was a big, big uh, hit. In fact, I think it's a, it's a, it's a trilogy of books, which uh, the other two will be filmed. I mean, because this has been a really, really big hit. I mean, the film obviously received a lot of uh, controversy because of its title, and people kind of were kind of went, Ooh, you know, especially in this PC world and yeah. PC age. But it is made by um, an Asian director called John M. Chu, uh, who's maybe kind of known for kind of um, kind of action movies. He made uh, the film GI Joe Retaliation a couple of years ago uh, with The Rock. So for him to make what's basically a rom com. It's a kind of an Asian rom-com, really. Um, um, and he, he does very, very well here, indeed. Uh, the other two, I think, certainly uh, Crazy Rich Asians 2 has already been confirmed. It's going to be called China Rich Girlfriend. <laughs> and I think the other one, too, I don't, know the, I don't know the title of the other one, but I think they're looking at that because the film actually has been a huge, huge success. I mean, it only cost uh, $30 million to make, but it's taken over $238 million worldwide. So, you know, it has been a big, big success. And, you know, it's, it's kind of one of these films that are looking to kind of mark new ground, really, because films like this are very, very rarely made. Although, I mean, people said it's great to have Asians on screen like this. There was still quite a bit of controversy about it um, uh, and the actors that were used, because they didn't necessarily use actors of Chinese descent. They used a lot of British and American Chinese actors. And the film was also criticized for using British and American English over Singaporean English, which is kind of very, very different. Uh, Basically, it's about this uh, young uh, American girl. Her name is Rachel Wu. She's an American-born Chinese economics professor. Now, she in America meets this boy called uh, Nick and he lives in, in Singapore. They have a very good relationship, and he invites her to Singapore for his best friend's wedding. She has not really a great deal of an idea of who he is or who his background is, but when they get the flight home, instead of turning right in the jet, they turn left, and all of a sudden she begins to think, well, hang on a second, when the champagne arrives, she realizes that Nick isn't exactly what uh, he's kind of made out to be. He's slightly wealthier than, than I thought. He's not just wealthy, of course. You look at the title, he is crazy rich. Yeah. Uh, well, at one stage she says, are you rich? And he said, well, we're comfortable. And she said, that's what rich people say all the time. <laughs> he always say you're comfortable, you're not. So then she suddenly finds herself within this world, this world of these people who are astoundingly rich and uh, they live the lifestyle of the rich. She then, unfortunately, is not really particularly welcomed because... Um, She's uh, she's not she's an American first of all, and the class of uh, women, especially in uh, that uh, within the, the kind of family, uh, become incredibly jealous of her, and they want to bring her down. So therefore, she has got to uh, kind of um, make her way and certainly um, kind of identify herself as somebody uh, who is has every right to be within that kind of class. And he's also the most eligible bachelor in Asia. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. very handsome uh, young man. I think he's a, he's a British actor actually. And um, yeah, and the thing is, is that basically this is a rom com. It might be kind of like Dallas, kind of a kind yeah. of an Asian Dallas, you know, and it's funny, and there's always like a musical sequence in there as well. It's interesting, and I think my worry again, of course, is that it's too long at two hours, and a good hour in, I was finding it a little bit kind of uh, difficult. Um, but um, I, I thought everybody looked great, and in fact, the film really is about uh, the women. It's about the matriarchs of that whole society. And Michelle Yeoh is one of those, and she's a fabulous actress, and always has been, and she's great to watch. And so watching that kind of, uh, you know 
section of society and 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 women very much dominant in that kind of society it, it was was great to watch as well um but yeah i would certainly recommend it again you know if you want an interesting rom-com and you know we don't see uh, these kind of movies uh, very often and um in the end i have to say i enjoyed it very much yeah actually it was one of the movies i watched on my long haul flight uh, oh, right, uh, christmas yeah, yeah but um i agree with you about the length of it i actually fell asleep twice yeah <laughs> and then i would come back to it again but i loved it i i i, I did enjoy it i did enjoy it but it just didn't make me not have to sleep it just it was it was a little bit too long but it's good it's it, it's good it's I did good. find the second half uh, quite a, yeah. difficult to <laughs> yeah. you know a bit of a chore but uh, well, yeah. It's wor- yeah definitely worth, worth seeing but um, I suppose, but, I mean, the thing is that considering how rich they are I mean it's a testament to the actors of the film that you actually like these people yeah, yeah. you know what I mean good point and, yeah. and I thought I thought that was good okay was well so Mark out of 10 I'll give that another 8 as well 8 out of 10 it's crazy rich Asians okay Mark have a lovely week we'll chat next Friday okay thanks for that that's Mark Malone our movie reviewer and thank you to Coleman O'Sullivan who was in contact following my interview with Karen Penny the young uh, the woman from uh, Wales who is on this marathon journey she's on a walk that's going to last four years I'm still taken aback that someone would head off close, close her front door see you in four years January 2023 I'll be home have the kettle boiling and uh, she's doing it to raise money for Alzheimer research it's, it's, it's incredible um, and she, we know she's in the West Cork area Coleman O'Sullivan was in contact uh, from Irie's Motorhome Park to say if Karen is walking down to Irie's he will put her up for free and Karen mentioned that her husband is coming over in a camper van next week and Coleman said no problem at all they can pull in the motor van they can park that there for free and they have Sadie's Cafe on site so they'll be able to look after them both and uh, we'll relay that message to Karen but it's a really really kind gesture on behalf of Coleman O'Sullivan from Irie's Motor Park in Irie's thank you for that and Brian says, this is reacting to Sarah, who uh, had contacted us earlier about front page story in the examiner this morning of the two million, roughly two million. It's going to cost for a full pitch replacement to Porky Queef. And uh, she was wondering, is there any comeback from the contractor who laid the original pitch and who's going to pay for it and all of that and all of that? Well, Brian says, you can tell Sarah there won't be anyone coming back on the crowd who first put the pitch in. Why? That pitch was put down 40 years ago. It wasn't touched when they built the new stadium. OK, so the problems they're now having is the roof overhanging, isn't it? It's, it's a light issue at, at this age. Thank you for that, Brian. I was unaware of that as well. And we're looking for advice for Aileen, one of our listeners who's contacted us to say. She has received a summons in the post. The postal address... Postal address was in her name. Okay. The envelope, the outside envelope has her name and address on it. But when she's opened the letter, the letter is for somebody completely different. The summons is is made out to somebody else. It's for a car parked with no tax. But Aileen doesn't know who this person is. I don't know if this, is there a wrong address on that letter as well? Anyway, she's just fearful now that this person, because there's been a summons and they won't have got it and there'll be a fine and what will she do? And she also feels because of, with breaches to data and all of that, she's got all this gentleman's detail on the letter. Anybody ever come across this before or what can she do about it? My instant reaction, Aileen, is to loo down to a Garda station ASAP with that summons and hand it in or call them, call your local Garda station and explain what has uh, happened. I'm a bit confused now that the postal address was in your name. So if your name was on the front and then there's a different summons inside, does that mean there's a summons for you 
that's gone somewhere else instead, I would be getting to a guard the station ASAP. But we'll give it out to see if anybody else can offer advice or have they heard of that happening to anybody else. Well, it happens every single Friday. I've got things I want to give a quick mention to and time is against me. So, so can I say good luck to everybody who's involved in the Sigerson Cup weekend. That's taking place in Mallow GA Complex this coming weekend. It's hosted by the Munster Third Level Colleges and I'm told over 300 players will come from all corners of Ireland and also from New York and also from across Britain. So it's going to be a great weekend, a great boost to the local economy because all of the hotels, I'm told, are packed out. And if anybody is interested in finding out more about the Horse Boy movement method which is specially designed for children and adults on the autistic spectrum. The guy behind the horse boy, you may have seen this movie, uh, Rob Rupert um, Isaac's son who designed this for his uh, son, and who, for his son who's autistic. He is coming to Ireland the week of the 23rd of February, so that's next week, isn't it? And he's going to be in Liskinet Equine Therapy Centre in Grenna, which is run by St. Joseph's Foundation. And if anybody would like to go along, admission is free and there's an opportunity for an introduction and a demonstration on how the horse boy method uh, works. I've seen this guy in action. He is incredible. You can get more details by phoning David Doyle, the manager of Liskinet, 87 273 That's where I leave you for today. Talk to you Monday. Thanks to John Paul. Nick Richards. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. I'm at the C103 GAA Awards and I've only got and bumped into Leonard. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Nick. Thank you. What is the attraction for you, GAA? Hurling or whether it's football? Outside my wife, it's the love of my life. My wife and family come first, GAA come second. The best game you ever saw? Probably Cork and Clare in Thurles. Clare had been had won the All-Ireland and Clare were going well. And Cork came out of um, came out of nowhere with a with a good team and, and beat them, you know. C one oh three. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.